Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome to today's issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Yeah, two of us to fill in for Tim. Yes. Yeah. Takes two. <laughs> takes two to do it. Mm-hmm. And Chris Woodward, a news reporter for onenewsnow.com. Good, Good morning. morning. Which one of you is eating the popcorn today? Well, I, I, I can't do what Tim does. When we take a break, he'll get some popcorn. I cannot talk and chew popcorn <laughs> and not choke. Yeah. Tim, I can't do a newscast either. But. <laughs> so I can't, I can't do what Tim does. So uh, anyway, folks, before we get uh, started with the news of the day and a lot of grim news hmm. coming uh, to us from Afghanistan, but I do have some good news for you. All right. So last week was Truth for Youth Bible Week, where American Family Radio partnered with Revival Fires International. This is their outreach to get Bibles into the hands of teenagers who will give them to their unsaved friends. And our goal was 65,000 Bibles to uh, provide for teenagers through this one-week partnership. And uh, we came very close, very close. If you watched Get Smart when you were growing up, Missed it by that much. <laughs> Our goal was 65,000, but we ended with 63,700 Bibles. A note from Tim Todd, who heads up that ministry, said, We are praying for a tremendous harvest and revival on our school campuses. As a result of these efforts, we appreciate AFA and AFR staff and listeners for helping us reach thousands of youth across America with the Truth For Youth Bible. So thank our thanks to all of you who were able to give, to see, uh, to, uh, to uh, get Bibles, to give to your teenagers or your grandkids who are teenagers, to give out to uh, unsaved friends. There's no telling uh, how many lives will be touched because of this ministry this past week and in the weeks to come as kids get back to school. So, uh, Fred, the hope of all people is the gospel and the word of God. And all the things we talk about in terms of news, uh, again, much of it grim, very grave things happening. Haiti got hammered with an earthquake Mm -hmm. and a hurricane. So lots of things, but folks, our hope is in God. Mm -hmm. Continue to pray. When we give the news uh, don't just let these things sink into your heart and get discouraged. Pray about all that you can pray about, and then uh, we need revival and we need God's uh, grace poured out in many of these places. There is much evil in the world, and uh, I guess we can say evil often uh, is the backdrop to the stories that we deal with right. each day because we think it's important that folks know about this, but we source it back to Mankind's rebellion against the God of the Bible. Right. Simple as that. And uh, we know what changes hearts. People get into God's Word. That's what this program is all about that we just had last week. And getting the Bible into the hands of young people especially. Uh, The gospel is not restricted to any age group. Right. But if you can catch them when they're young, uh, you've changed a life, and that life goes on to be a witness to many others. 
And so uh, Tim Todd's program is, is so important. And we're just delighted to be part of that. Right. Uh, and congratulations to our listeners who come through time and time again. Uh, I think leading into the program last week, uh, in the 20-year relationship that we had with Tim Todd, what, a million, a Bible, million Bibles. Bibles given out. Just, folks, stop and think about that. A million Bibles put in the hands, and we believe to a million kids. Right. Uh, and we get testimonies, change lives. And as Tim Todd told us last week, it now goes beyond the young people. I mean, that's what this program is about. Right. But it goes, uh, he's getting Bibles to prisoners. Yes. And and the lives of prisoners being changed. Also, I think he's heading out in another couple of weeks back down to our southern border. He doesn't agree with illegal immigration, Tim right. Todd, but he made it very clear. Hey, if they're going to be there, let's get an opportunity to witness to them. And he's been able to witness to thousands of these who have come across the border already illegally getting Bibles into the hands of these individuals, preaching the gospel to them. And as they told us last week, those illegal aliens, some of them are getting saved. Yes. In fact, the last time he was down there, every single young man that he spoke to in a group of about 2,000 yes. raised their hand to receive Jesus and came down for a Truth For Youth Bible. Now, obviously, folks, you don't know what was in the hearts of those young men as they raised their hands, but you know when they don't raise their hand that yeah. they don't, you know, at least at that point in time. They heard the gospel. They heard the gospel. So, mm-hmm. folks, lots of good things happening. Uh, and as Fred points out, the backdrop, of course, is always against uh, a backdrop of darkness because that is the way the world has been since uh, the first act of disobedience. So, Chris, now we go to you yes. to uh, to bring us down after we just talked about hope. It's what I do. All right. Yeah, so we let's begin with some breaking news because Axios, Yahoo, Newsmax, other outlets are saying that President Biden is going to return to the White House today from Camp David and deliver a televised address on the crisis in Afghanistan. This is supposed to happen today at 3.45 p.m. Eastern, 2.45 p.m. Central. Now, the president uh, has largely been missing in action in recent days and really got taken to task by a lot of people, including his uh, friends and allies at CNN. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, But for those that maybe didn't watch any news, read a newspaper, open up social media over the weekend, uh, the Taliban took more control of Afghanistan. They took Kabul, Kabul, which now means they pretty much control the nation of Afghanistan roughly 20 years after the events of 9-11 and our uh, entry into the war in Afghanistan there with the Taliban. And really, for anybody that didn't see the videos, Fred's talked about this a lot this morning already with us just as the news team, but they're really kind of shocking, sad videos of people clinging on to U.S. aircraft trying to leave. Uh, Some people actually fell off the aircraft to their death, thinking, you know, I'm going to die anyway. I might as well try to get out of here. Uh, But as I mentioned, the president has really been criticized for not saying and doing anything. And then, lo and behold, his press secretary, Jen Psaki, ups and takes a vacation during all this and deferred any kind of uh, media request to other people at the White House. And what really hurts the president, let's begin with this audio, Brent. What really hurts the president is just a few weeks ago, Joe Biden was asked if the Taliban was going to take over Afghanistan, and he really kind of dismissed those kinds of questions. Clip one. And do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling? None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not 
the South, the North Vietnamese Army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comparable. So the question now is, where do they go from here? That, the jury is still out. But the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Now, that was Joe Biden, a man largely considered a foreign policy expert because he was in the Senate for a long time on the Foreign Relations Committee, uh, dismissing any kind of concerns or claims that the Taliban was going to take over Afghanistan. And boy, was he wrong. You know, Fred, I, I, I will admit, of course, I'm not, I am not a foreign policy expert. The president is supposed to be. He has foreign policy experts in his administration. He's supposed to have at least, if not the best intelligence agency in the world, you know, in the top five, you know, uh, U.S. intelligence. And they share regularly share intelligence with other nations. Um I think this has caught everybody by surprise. I don't think anybody foresaw how quickly the Taliban would take over and how quickly uh, the uh, Afghan army would collapse. And that's what it is. It's been a total collapse. The army that we helped train for the last 20 years and equip, they just had no stomach to go toe-to-toe with the Taliban. Yeah, you know, uh, Biden was saying there is no comparison between the two. Maybe that's one area where I agree where he's talking about Vietnam, uh, in that it had a structured army uh, right. that, it, that uh, the American forces were facing there. However, having said that, we now have decades of experience with Islamic terrorists and how they operate. We have seen it in Iran. We have seen it in Iraq. We should know by now. Uh, the the thinking of Islamic terrorism, it is an ideology. Yes. The people of Afghanistan understand the Taliban because they were in control right. up to 20 years ago. They harbored uh, Osama bin Laden. So they, I think the people of Afghanistan knew that when Joe Biden announced, here's the date, we're going to have everybody out by then. I'm sure if I was in Afghanistan and having had experience with the Taliban, I would be thinking, I know what the Taliban's going to do. Right. (laughs) They're going to be on my doorstep. Yes. And they're going to start marching into these. And this is exactly what they've done over the last couple of weeks. Little town by little town. Little city by little city. And basically, the local residents, not because they support the Taliban, they just put up their hands and said, I don't want to die. I don't want my wife to die. Right. I don't want my kids to die. Right. And so they just put up their hands. And so this steamroll has been going on now for two and a half, three weeks after Biden made that announcement. And the arrogance in his announcement saying, highly unlikely that the Taliban would take over. I don't know. Somebody was talking about this, and I'm not a foreign policy expert this morning. But I'm assuming Joe Biden depended on the military expertise of people like the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, of people like his Secretary of State. I assume he had a conversation somewhere in the Oval Office saying, okay, guys, what is your assessment? When I make this announcement that we're pulling out, we're going to be out by 9-11, all right? right? He was aiming 
for that kind of anniversary exit. What do you think the Taliban are going to do? It is hard to believe that those military foreign policy alleged experts said to Joe Biden, don't worry about it, President, Taliban, they're not going to take over the country. We've been there for 20 years. Please don't tell me in that 20 years that we haven't been able to assess the readiness of the Taliban to move and to move quickly, because that's exactly what they did. We saw pictures over the last two and a half weeks. We've been getting video from the AP and from news agencies of these people rolling through these cities. And I think when I left here, what, Thursday or Friday last week, Kabul was about the, the last one. Right. And by then you knew because people, the Afghanis were putting up their hands and saying, go ahead. You know, uh, I'm not going to fight you because you will kill my family. So why did you think for the moment that Kabul somehow was going to be different? Right. But I think the big mistake, and I mean the history books will write about this, the big mistake is that Joe Biden, unlike Donald Trump, set a specific date when we would be out of there. And if you're going to do that, I think I would have extracted most of our people out of there first. Right. Got all our military before out. Before you announce it. Before I announce that I'm going to do this. But it was kind of like... Uh, this this bravado, we're going to have it all sealed up by the 9-11 anniversary. It'll be done. And I, I think Joe Biden is fine. I, a lot of people, I think, don't understand. We're dealing with a very evil ideology that will not be stopped. Yeah, and, and let me go back to the point you're talking about in terms of the, uh, and then sir, I will circle back to, the, uh, to your statement about the ideology uh, Afghanistan, we've all known this as we started paying attention to that country after 9-11. Most of us didn't pay attention to it. It's not a player on the world stage. It's got nothing really going for it, you know, in terms of economics, except for, you know, uh, poppy-related drugs. Um, but it is a tribal country, mm -hmm. which means you, you don't really have a strong national sense of government or loyalty to the afghan people you have loyalty to your tribe yes. your tribal leaders and that was what the taliban had going for them because as you said when you come to a small town with a tribal leader and they might have some alliances with some other tribal leaders you are on your own mm -hmm. and you're not going against the full might of the taliban and have everyone in your community killed so what these tribal leaders do is they say well, we'll we'll make a deal you know, and they had no choice but to cooperate, at least outwardly, with the United States after we took over the country. And these kinds of people just bide their time. They keep their local alliances and their local influence alive until this wave goes past and this wave goes past. And to your point, Fred, about the ideology, you cannot conquer an ideology like Islamic terrorism with guns okay it's it's different people say well nazism fascism was an ideology we defeated hitler in germany yes because it was rooted in a country this is an international ideology that's why the taliban was getting help from you know with a wink wink from the government in pakistan they would slip across the border we couldn't go in there after them at least not uh publicly this is an ideology that is international 
in scope, and you cannot exterminate it with bombs. And the Taliban, they knew their terrain. They hid out in caves. And this this was one of those things that a lot of people are saying it was inevitable. But how you did it, how you would go about it, as you're talking about, I think is going to be something that the Biden administration is going to have to answer for. They are answering for it, surprisingly, even amongst uh, a lot of the liberal media. But I don't think history books are going to treat the Biden administration, uh, you know, with with much sympathy because of the way in which this was done and the optics of it. Yeah. So I think the only reason he is coming out and having a uh, presidential address today is because even CNN and other liberal news outlets really criticized the president yesterday over the weekend, but yesterday specifically uh, on Afghanistan because um, yesterday, there was a tweet that was really uh, being retweeted, and it was trending. Um, and it was a CNN article that said the president planned to address the nation in a couple of days on Afghanistan. He and already it, hadn't spoken he, to the nation in like six days. Right. A lot of people were saying, you know, where is he? He was either in Delaware or he was at Camp David. It depends on where you get your news from. Uh, but it, it really does not look good. And I think basically the reason he finally decided or announced that they're going to have an address today is because – uh, even his allies at CNN and other outlets held his feet to the fire. I've got some audio here. Steve cut this for us. Um, this was a panel, just to give you an example, a panel at CNN tearing into Biden over Afghanistan yesterday. Clip five. But look at these pictures. On the left, you see that famous picture of the helicopter fleeing the U.S. Embassy in Saigon. On the right, another helicopter, another U.S. Embassy. But that is this morning in Kabul. Joe Biden is sitting at Camp David right now. He must feel humiliated watching these images on TV. Let's be honest. This looks like a disaster. We're seeing these pictures right now at the airport. This is Biden's boondoggle. This is a foreign policy disaster in the making. And uh, it's going to have political ramifications. This has been a political disaster. And it's going to be a dark stain in the annals of U.S. foreign policy. Biden's boondoggle was a phrase uttered on CNN. Yeah, that, that's, that's that image. That image from Vietnam of the helicopter on the roof of the U.S. Embassy in Saigon, that's been burned into our minds. Right. That's a picture. The picture that we saw this morning of this U.S. transport plane, I couldn't believe it when I first saw it. That was real. Right. I, I thought somebody had been playing with that video, but it was real. You had Afghani citizens running onto the tarmac of the airport in Kabul. And you have this big transport plane, this four-engine big transport plane taxiing out to take off. And I don't know if you've seen the Tom Cruise movie. It was a Mission Impossible movie where he actually held on to the outside of the same kind of transport plane that we're seeing in this video. He hung on in the start of this movie. And it was actual, Tom Cruise actually did that. Now you had this morning, you had people clinging on, you had people running in front of the nose wheel of the airplane as it was taxiing out, trying to get it to stop so they could get aboard this thing. Yeah. And what we just found out in the last few minutes is, as this plane took off, and I haven't seen any video of this, as the plane took off, there were still people clinging to the exterior fuselage of this thing, and of course they fell off. We know that at least seven people have died. That is the picture. That is the picture that you are going to remember of Afghanistan and the failure 
of a foreign policy. This is going to be burned into the minds of people, that, that scene. The other scene this morning, we saw people clinging, you know, the, uh, what do you call the ramp that goes out to passenger planes? Jetway. Is, oh, yeah. Jetway. You saw people clinging to those steps that are on the outside of these jetways, trying to climb out of the, trying to get into an airplane to get out of that country because they know what's coming. Yes. Those people know what's coming with Taliban rulers. They are ruthless. They will rape and pillage. They will kill They've your already kids. beheaded people. Already beheaded people. They are trying to escape this tyranny that they know is coming. And uh, whether it's fair or not, the arguments will be made, but Joe Biden's going to wear this. Yeah, he, he is. And uh, listen, I, I, I don't think that this was ever going to succeed in terms of nation building. I'm no. opposed to nation building. You've got to, you, you can't, as I've said, you can't airlift democracy or a Republican form of government into a country from our country. You, you, these kinds of belief systems, when I'm talking about freedom and the love of freedom, and my own personal opinion in the modern world can only succeed with Christianity, okay? And it's not going to succeed with Islam because what Muslims teach is that nobody has the right to say anything uh, official except for Allah. You can't have Congress, you can't have a parliament decide what we're going to do in terms of human sexuality. You can't have a Supreme Court that, uh, that passes a ruling about abortion or same-sex marriage. I don't think they should be doing it in this country, but in a Muslim nation, they consider that what we would call blasphemy. Yeah. You cannot only Sharia law dictates, and you don't vote on that. Until that changes, Afghanistan will never be a uh, democracy or no. a republic. No. So in my opinion, as, as well-meaning as it might have been, to give these people freedom, and the Afghan people were drawn to freedom. Yes. You know, husbands and 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 uh, and wives, moms and dads, were letting their daughters go to school. Yeah. All right. Now they're looking at maybe being executed for doing that. So people automatically want to be free. That's why our founding fathers said, according to natural law, which flows out of a Judeo-Christian worldview, people. We're created to be free. It's no surprise that people are drawn to it, but you can't support it without the foundational beliefs that come first. And the Taliban are at the opposite end of the spectrum to freedom. And as you said, nothing but terror is in the future for the Afghanistan, for the Afghan people. And whether it's fair or not, I mean, I think this probably eventually would have happened anyway. I think President Trump would have had a more structured pullout, maybe some serious warnings to the Taliban in advance of pulling out. But whether or not it's fair that it happened under Biden and the way he did it, this will be his foreign policy disaster. And he's got a lot of experts who did not see this coming. Mm -hmm. um, the same thing happened, by the way, with the fall of Saigon. Uh, I went back and read some things this morning because of this this show. Our intelligence agencies uh, did not expect Saigon to fall so quickly either, but that was to a sure enough real military, very experienced uh, veteran North Vietnamese uh, force. So 
Uh, we will continue talking about this issue after the break. Uh, I guess we will, right, Chris? Yes. we got other stuff because this is uh, a historical moment that we're living Correct. through, folks. And uh, we will continue talking about this. Other issues, too, after the break. We're going to take a couple minutes. You're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Please join us after the break. Moral relativism. Apathy. Fading allegiance to traditional morality. Americans are succumbing to double-mindedness about moral values. Many now say... Who's to say what's right or wrong? Personally, I disapprove of pornography, but that is only my own opinion. Like it or not, we are in a battle for our nation's moral compass. Time to learn more by reading A City Set on a Hill at afa.net slash the stand. afa.net slash the stand. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox my hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting Go Visit to the number 49596. Again, that's Go Visit to the number 49596. The dispatches from Afghanistan have gone from bad to worse. Afghanistan has fallen. Thousands of Americans and Afghani allies are trapped. And the only patch of land we control is the Kabul airport. Among those missing in action are President Biden and White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Reporters reaching out for a comment about the breaking news received a note from Ms. Psaki announcing she was on vacation for the rest of the week. President Biden has yet to address the nation, not even so much as a pre-recorded message. And the White House says it may be several days before he gets around to making a statement. The American people deserve to know why the commander-in-chief is hiding at Camp David. Has President Biden suffered some sort of a medical issue? Has he become incapacitated? We are in the middle of a national crisis. American lives are in jeopardy. Now more than ever, we need to hear from the president. I'm Todd Starnes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. 
Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back, folks. Uh, Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. Fred Jackson and Chris Woodward are joining me in studio. Brent Creeley, our producer, also sitting in, keeping us on the air. Appreciate Brent Creeley at all times. Well, I don't always act like I appreciate Brent. I tease Brent some, but in his defense, he teases me back. My own defense, I should say. All right, Chris, I was trying to just lighten the conversation up a little bit, but let's just go back to Mm -hmm. uh, a historical embarrassment for the United States in Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, You know, we began the previous, uh, well, you kicked off the show with audio of President Biden earlier this year dismissing questions or concerns that the Taliban, or Taliban, as he said, uh, was going to take over Afghanistan. He dismissed that, but obviously he was wrong. Uh, And on Friday, a very more recent uh, bit of audio to bring in here, this is Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby uh, saying that Kabul was not in immediate danger of being taken over. And again, boy, was he wrong. Clip two. Right now, without getting into a battlefield assessment every day, I don't want to do that. Uh, uh, but uh, there, uh, Kabul is not uh, right now um, uh, in an imminent threat environment. But clearly, David... Uh, if you just look at what the Taliban's been doing, uh, you can see that they are trying to isolate Kabul. Now, what they want to do if they achieve that isolation, I think only they can speak to. Uh, but you can see a certain uh, effort uh, to, uh, to isolate Kabul. It is not unlike the way they've operated in other places of the country, isolating uh, provincial capitals um, and sometimes being able to force a surrender. Now, Two things there. His last word was force of surrender. Um, but he dismissed the claims, and 36 hours later, Kabul falls. Okay, but number two, clearly from the from the pregnant pauses and the stammering and the uhs, he really didn't know what to say or what he well, could say. And he, he was trying to, uh, Fred, trying to couch his words uh, and speak them very carefully. It's kind of like a lawyer does. You You don't want to say... You want to speak very specifically uh, so that you are not uh, 24 hours later contradicted by the event. So he's basically saying they're not in any kind of imminent threat right now. Okay. So obviously that leaves open the door for the fact that in 24 or 48 hours, they they could be. And I I think – I was just reading last week. I I can't recall uh, who it was, but it was on Fox or CNN. But anyway – a defense experts saying it it is entirely possible that what the Afghani army is doing is leading the Taliban into a trap. Well, that's obviously not what they were doing. They did not want to fight the Taliban. There was nothing worth losing their lives over. And if you're going to defend a country, you've got to believe that what you're fighting for is worthwhile. Instead, what a lot of these men in the army over there were thinking, I'm guessing, because as humans we can all be uh, kind of sympathetic to this kind of uh, thought, is if I fight to protect and fight against the Taliban and we lose, they'll kill my family. Yeah. And and that is 
Uh, and if you already have nothing to actually die for, you sure don't want to have to live to see that. What I heard in that clip that Chris played for us with the mumbling and the fumbling and the awes and that sort of thing, John Kirby has been around the Pentagon and the military a long, long time. I think he was aware of the assessment of our military people in Kabul who probably told him disaster is at the doorstep. Yeah. But also on the other side, John Kirby had his political masters saying, don't paint too uh, dismal a picture here. We're hoping to get out of this without too much trouble. So he was trying to walk a line between his political masters and probably what he knew from his military people in Afghanistan, in Kabul, that things, the disaster was imminent. And so he was trying to please both sides. Uh, that's, that's what I heard in his voice. And I'll say something else. Uh, the Taliban, these, these are shrewd and crafty people. Yeah, don't dismiss them as a bunch of guys from the country with, with guns. Yeah, a bunch of yahoos. Yes. These are hardened fighters. Yes. They're very shrewd. Yes. I'm guessing that before the final pullout began, they knew that the Biden administration was going to leave Afghanistan. They were probably talking to these tribal leaders and the representatives in these provincial capitals. They were talking in advance of that happening and saying, you tell us now which side you're coming down on. Yep. Because when the Biden administration pulls out and the U.S. military leaves, <laughs> it's going to be us and our enemies. And we want to know right now which side you're on. Yes. That's the only way you can explain how quickly the Taliban have taken over that country is this was decided in advance. And most of those uh, in the Afghan military and in these provincial provi these provinces of Afghanistan, they did not want to. This was not a hill to die on. Nope. They were going to take their chances with the Taliban because the U.S. was pulling out. That's right. Yeah. I am interested to see what the appetite is going to be for a foreign war in the coming years because uh, for many years now, really a generation, um, the interest of wanting to get involved in somebody else's battle has been declining greatly. Trump wanted to get us out of Iraq and Afghanistan. Biden has clearly fumbled the ball here. Uh, Obama didn't necessarily, at least on paper, want to get us involved in things. Um, and as a result, you have a lot of like millennials and Gen Zers out there that have not exactly been ready and willing to go get involved in somebody else's battle. Um, I, I'm, I'm just curious as to what this situation is going to do with that, because something will pop up that will impact us interests, but whether or not we are ready to, um, get involved in that, I'm not sure. I did see a tweet today and granted everybody's got an opinion to share and many of them are things you can't say on this radio program. But I did see uh, somebody tweet today that uh, the whole let's draft our nation's women thing is going to be dead now because no one's going to want to send a woman into something like uh, you know this situation, which we're inevitably going to see in Afghanistan in the next few weeks. Well, politicians won't, but courts might, judges might. Yeah. Judges might say, well, if you're going to be uh, equitable here and equal rights, then they have to sign up for the draft. I, I don't know. I'm opposed to that. Uh, you know, uh, I don't, I certainly am opposed to women in combat. Uh, that's my own personal mm -hmm. opinion. And AFA doesn't have an opinion 
on those kinds of things. We all have our opinions. Um, but, uh, yeah, go ahead, Fred. I just think we, the United States could learn something from Israel, <laughs> how it handles. <laughs> you talk about a country, Israel, I'm talking about with enemies. Right. I mean, surrounded at, at sure. your doorstep. Yeah. Uh, Sharks Nat- in the water. Netanyahu used to say we live in a rough neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the understatement mm-hmm. of, the, of the year. But look how is Israel handles its Islamic terrorist enemies. When they strike, these terrorists, they hit back hard. Right. Very hard. Hamas, Hezbollah in Lebanon. But also, their intelligence community is par excellence. Nobody comes close to them. When they know a threat is happening, whether it's in Syria, whether it's in Iran, they strike. Yeah. They deal with, they deal with that problem. They don't try to nation build. Right. True. Uh, they don't hang around enemy territory for 20 years. They just don't do that. They strike where they know that the enemy is threatening for sure, for sure, and then they go home. And like Trump did with Soleimani, yes, you come out of your hole, Yep, we hit you. We hit Listen, you. I said 20 years ago, and again, I'm not a foreign policy expert, but I, I, this, is, this was my view on staying in Afghanistan. I, my opinion, I said it on the air countless times, don't do it. Don't stay there. We, went, we defeated the Taliban. Mm-hmm. We destroyed the terrorist training camps. We need to get out and tell the Taliban and whoever's running the yeah. country, mm-hmm. if we see terrorist training camps pop up again, we're going to hit you from the air. You won't see us coming. Be a cruise missile down your chimney. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. And then we take our ground forces out. And I, I like your I like yeah. your comparison there to the foreign policy of Israel. I to answer your question, Chris. I think. The proper, here's the problem. The proper use of military might has to be measured, mm-hmm. short-lived, and it has to be in our nation's interest. Yes. Okay? So that means you don't break Iraq. Yeah. You, you deal with it, and you, and, you, and you get out. Because you cannot change these places with military power. Yeah. You have, you have to... This is the way war used to be war- waged. You want to control a country, you invade it, you keep it, mm-hmm. and you own it, and you run it. Yeah. And we, we weren't doing that, which I, I would have been opposed to, too. We were trying to work our way out of a job when the people didn't want the job, like in, in Iraq. Right. We're going to have other situations developing, um, like in the uh, uh, South Pacific, the Western Pacific, uh, with China, right? Because they are they are no longer a uh, backwards country. They are a world power, and I expect at some point they're going to try to take Taiwan, and we're going to have a discussion in this country as right. to whether we want to go to war. Which is all the more reason you really need to pay attention to what Joe Biden is going to do here, because if we're just going to let the Taliban have Afghanistan and say. Everybody go get vaccinated and have a vanilla ice cream cone. That's not going to scare anybody. But uh, in, in the in the mind of this administration, the number one threat in this country are white supremacists, right? Domestic terrorists. See, yes, this is this is insanity. Mm-hmm. This isn't just wokeness. This is in, in uh, woke insanity. Yes, that's right. the problem. I think that we've run into. You know, you talked about Israel there. 
Um, Israel realizes, hey, it's us or them. We have to do something, right. and we got to strike at the heart of the problem. We have too many people now that grew up on a cul-de-sac, never fearing for their life, who have fallen hook, line, and sinker for we got what's coming to us because we're mean to other people. Right. I want to go back to something you just said, Ed, <laughs> that this administration, what does it see as a threat? Certainly not the hundreds of thousands streaming across our southern border. Right. Here's what our, this administration sees as a threat. Now, folks, I am reading. I am reading from a U.S. Department of Homeland Security memorandum that went out on Friday afternoon. The summary, it, this is the headline. Summary, By the way, Friday afternoon when you don't want the media to pick up on it. Exactly. Here's, here's the headline on this U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Summary of terrorism threat to the U.S. homeland. Uh, uh, the number one point, the number one point, listen to this, through the remainder, now this is what the Biden administration says is the number one terrorist threat in this country. Through the remainder of 2021, racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists and anti-government, anti-authority violent extremists will remain a national threat priority for the United States. These extremists may seek to exploit the emergence of COVID-19 variants by viewing the potential reestablishment of public health restrictions across the United States as a rationale to conduct attacks. Pandemic-related stressors have contributed to increased societal strains and tensions driving several plots by domestic violent extremists, and they may contribute to more violence this year. Summary, those who oppose the Biden administration's policy on COVID-19, whether it's masks or shutdowns or vaccine passports, whatever, they are now perceived as a threat to this country. Those who have a different view right. on this. This, this this is scary. This is the thinking of the President of the United States and his administration. Which he has is, he, he is publicly stated on mm-hmm. numerous occasions yes. when he's doing speeches about what he perceives to be the threat, the, the single most serious threat facing this country. Yes. And I would say that some of that language is meant to imply that those who voted for Donald Trump— yeah. Okay, who was the white supremacist in chief in in their view, uh, all those who voted for him are like the people who tried the insurrection of January 6th. You tie all those things together. That's who they now. I don't know whether this is cynical or whether they actually believe it. Either way, when your eye is on that ball, it's not on the ball that really is a threat, which has been and is still Islamic terrorists. Yes. And with a wide open border, there's no telling who's coming across sure. and who's going to be coming across over the next several months. Well, hey, speaking of the wide open border, we might as well do this because I have this audio as well. Now, full disclosure, it is a little bit difficult to hear, but uh, Brent and I have uh, tag teamed on this to try to make it uh, the best audio quality available. Just to give you some background here, uh, the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas um, claimed in or said in what is uh, described as leaked audio um, during a private meeting with Border Patrol agents recently in Texas that we are going to lose 
the border crisis based on the thousands of people that have come across and are continuing to come across. And so we've got some audio here that we can play. It is clip seven. It's unsustainable. Uh, these numbers cannot continue. We cannot um, get to a point where we were a couple weeks ago, and we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, we're looking at the policy options. We can't continue like this. Uh, our people in the field can't continue, and our system isn't built for it. I know very well, uh, hearing from Chief Hastings, Chief Ortiz, and others, how close we came to breaking, how close you came to breaking here uh, in this sector. And it's our responsibility to make sure that uh, never happens again. We don't get that close again. Now, if you had difficulty understanding him there, I some couldn't, of what I he couldn't said. understand that. Okay, some of what he said was, a couple of days ago, I was down in Mexico, and I said, look, you know, if if our borders are the first line of defense, we're going to lose, and this is unsustainable. We can't continue like this. Our people in the field can't continue, and our system is not built for it. Now, and, and that is uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Yes. And, and he is a, a Biden appointee. And, Fred, this is, this is stunning. By the way, I, I, the fact that what Chris just read has been transcribed by major news media oh, yeah. already. I've so this from Yahoo. Yes. So that is what, uh, the, uh, that is what Mayorkas, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas said. That's a stunning admission mm-hmm. that our system isn't built for it. And we are going to lose if that border is our first line of defense. That is a stunning admission uh, from someone in the Biden administration, the Secretary of Homeland Security, when the administration won't admit it. But you also have Democratic congressmen on the border who've been calling this a catastrophe for the first six months of the Biden administration. No one seems to be paying attention. No, I, I, I don't know. The, the light isn't on or no. something. No, they're... Listen, they're lying to the American people. You know, they, they won't, uh, everybody knows it's a crisis on our southern border. Uh, the Border Patrol people, they, they're not in control anymore. They're dispirited, discouraged. I mean, what's it, was it the month of July or June? There were over 200,000. That was the latest figure mm-hmm. that Mayorkas mentioned oh, yeah. when he was down there last they're week. They're saying it may be 2 million people in this country illegally by the end of the year. From 26 countries. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not just Guatemala, Honduras, or Mexico, folks. Correct. It's not. 26 countries. We're talking from China. We're talking probably many from Islamic countries mm-hmm. right. that are coming across. They get aboard an airplane, they fly to uh, Panama, or they fly to Cuba, mm-hmm. get on a boat, whatever the case may be, but they're ending up at our southern border. They're walking up to the border saying, I'm claiming asylum. Yes, Interviews have been done with these people after they get mm-hmm. inside, and and the reporter will say, "Are are you really facing persecution?" Back? No, no, no. I'm just coming here for a job. Right. That's all. Yeah. I mean, the American people know what's going on on our southern border. What happened was somebody in a private briefing that Mayorkas gave on his latest trip down down to the border. By the way, his news conference he didn't talk about that at all. Right. But later, somebody, I guess, with a cell phone in their pocket recorded that that's yeah. why it was so muffled and he was standing in front of border patrol people and he had to be honest for a few minutes and with those people who were saying it's it's out of control yeah. and that's what he was admitting it's un yes it is it's unsustainable we cannot keep this up but here's the reality folks my orcas's boss 
Joe Biden has created this crisis. Yes. There and is, it is no a doubt. crisis. There is. Yeah. Th- this is Joe Biden. If we had the clip, go back to it. Joe Biden candidate said, I am inviting a surge on our southern border. Right. He said that. Yeah. This also, I think, is why a lot of people refuse to comply or listen to anything from the administration when it comes to COVID. Yes. If it is that horrible, and it listen, everybody knows somebody that has gotten sick, maybe that's somebody that's passed away. Everybody knows that situation. It is real. It's bad. But I know people, and I've seen things on social media where people have said, and I think it's a fair point to make, if it's that bad, why is the border open? Mm-hmm. Yes, and why are you either not testing uh, or still allowing people to come in if they have been tested mm-hmm. and have COVID. And then, as we've said on this program numerous times, then you are shipping them to all points known and unknown in the United States and dropping them off. Yeah. Okay, You're- so Brent says he has the surge clip invitation go, lined up and ready to go. Go ahead. This is the president who's done a great deal. So I'm proud to have served with him. What I would do as president is several more things because things have changed. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. Invite the surge. And all you have to do is walk up to the border. I'm seeking asylum. You're in. Yes. And, you know, several years ago, this might have been under the Obama administration, in fact, the president of Mexico was and his his administration were advising people about how to get in the country. They were advising them to claim asylum. Yeah. Say that you're here for asylum. And the fact of the matter is we are not doing our due diligence in terms of determining who's actually here for asylum under the trump administration you had to wait in mexico Mm -hmm. you know and you know until you're hearing so the uh, everything that the trump administration was doing became bad because it was associated with president trump in terms of the biden administration's perspective they could have kept doing the things that were working and maybe petition congress this is the way the system's supposed to work The president and his administration asks Congress, let's let an extra million people a year into this country. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do that. They go through the process. They get in. But instead, he just says, invites a surge. People claim asylum. They come in. You know, Tim says that the Biden administration wants it this way. Yes. Well, I don't know how to argue against that because they could stop it. Of course, they'd have to admit that what Trump was doing was the right thing after all. Just just stop and think. Joe Biden came into office eight months ago. Well, January. Eight, yeah, eight, yeah, eight months, right. Eight months ago. Let's do a little report card. Afghanistan, we now know as of this morning, total disaster. Right. Southern border, totally insecure. We probably got, and I'm just looking at the numbers, 200,000 a month, 180,000 a month coming across the border. So we probably already have a, at least a million. People who have entered this country. I think we've blown past a million, but well past a million. And then last week, Joe Biden, one of his first executive orders, shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Yes. What did he do? What did he do last week? He's asking OPEC. Please, OPEC. (laughs) Please, Saudi Arabia. Can you can you loosen up the oil strings a little bit? Because we're really desperate here. Yeah. Prices are rising. Oil prices are going through the roof. Gas prices are going through the roof. This. 
president, what what good has he done? Oh, we, listen, we've Put got up your hand, we've somebody. Got, we've got inflation fears, not just in oil, but in other sectors of the country. And if and if we get trillions more pumped into the economy, let look me ask out. you. Uh, you, I was not alive during the uh, the Carter administration. A lot of people have said he's, you know, he's like Carter, maybe worse than Carter. I know he's only been in office for seven months, eight months. Uh, but what do you think about the he's as worse or worse than Carter thing? Is it too soon or? Uh, I, that's a, that's a great question. I think Biden's going to wind up being worse than Carter, which is saying something. But they're very similar because they had you had the the takeover of the U.S. embassy in Tehran. Yeah. Okay, and you had captives, you know, hostages. You remember, Fred, we, yes. we, you know, day 132 of the hostage crisis in Iran. So uh, they had stagflation, which what they called it under the Carter administration, where you had a stagnant economy and rising inflation. Interest rates were like 21 percent. Is that all? Yes. <laughs> and so but the, so they're very similar. I don't I'm not a historian, but I think the Biden administration, because of the border, has the possibility and and terrorist attacks on our soil, the possibility of that uh, could wind up very easily making the Biden administration yeah, it's one of the worst in it's history. It's kind of interesting that you bring this up about Jimmy Carter, because going back to those days, remember what happened? You had the hostages. Yeah. And uh, then you had the effort to rescue them. Yes. And those choppers mm -hmm. got into the sand dunes, and that was a disaster for yeah. us. I think this this country, the people of this country, just reached a point saying enough is enough. Yeah. And what uh, Ronald Reagan comes along, he sent a message to Tehran. Yeah. Let him go. Yeah. Or I'm going to deal with you. And guess what? Ronald Reagan comes into office, and within hours, yes, they're all released. Yep. I think this country is looking again for a strong leader, and Joe Biden, he's created his own disaster. And it is a disaster, and we are watching it unfold in real time folks yeah. and we got 24 7 news service to keep it before our eyes all right we're gonna take a five minute break for news we will come back with more you're listening to today's issues the views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the american family association or american family radio